More of a legit setup than I was expecting. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. What um, I'm getting at is not that y'all guys are low tech. It's just from the actual video podcast, you I, don't see all the yeah yeah. I know we need to add a third camera, and then we could have like um have a wider shot of like the whole thing. Um, we'll get there. I like eventually. the way it is, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, this is a uh, just a random collection of stuff that we've accumulated through our lifetimes. <laughs> Luckily, our parents never threw anything away, and so. We were like, man, we'll build a podcast set out of it. And see, I try cool. to find those parents yeah. and then buy their stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Well, Lewis, man, thanks for coming to hang. Um, we've been on a little hiatus, so good to get back in the saddle and uh, do a podcast. Appreciate you driving down. And um, tell me a little bit about how you got started selling vintage clothing and the explosion that we've seen lately. It seems like I can name literally like eight people right now that are selling vintage clothes. Yeah. It seems like everybody's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's cool, man. Yeah, it's a big deal, especially in this area. It's been going on for a while around the world, and you know, as everything, it just kind of slowly trickles down to, to where we are. So, in two thousand nine, I started. Um, I actually started with video games, and they were readily available. There was not a the market didn't. It's not what it is today, where things are ultra competitive, and you, and you really don't find them anywhere, and people are getting them. Um, I, I say back, it's a term we say like backdooring. So like they're getting them before they even hit the shelf. Mm -hmm. So many of the thrift store companies have their own online uh, presence, whether it be eBay or like their own website. Which is new, right? Like thrift stores just started doing that. Yeah. Right? Or in this area. Yeah, Goodwill's always had some. So like you could have always gone to goodwillseattle.com mm -hmm. and they'd have their, their own auction site, like an eBay or something. But now, uh, we can get to that in a minute too, okay. like just how the culture has changed. Yeah. So back then, I mean, it was nothing to go and find a Super Nintendo with the VCR section for $5, you know. You might not have all the cords with it or whatnot. Games were usually mm, 5 bucks, something like that. So you could build a pretty good collection for relatively cheap. And uh, so I grew up with a Sega, and then I had an N64, which was funny because I got the N64 the Christmas that they introduced the GameCube. But I'd always wanted a 64 because uh, one of my friends had one. So it was actually a nice time period because when Go's games were on clearance, I mean, you're getting oh yeah, you get games for 10 bucks that are brand new because they're just wanting to clear the shelves. Because at the time, again, the, the presence wasn't, oh, this is going to be a cult following. It's just move out the old product and bring in the new product. Right, right. You guys remember the, um, like, you know, you go to Walmart and you get the $5 movie. Remember those bins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that being for Sega games and N64 games. And I would go and save up my money and just buy a whole bunch of those. So that's a little bit before 2009. So that kind of thing was getting me into thrift stores. And we'd always gone to thrift stores because we were in the low, like kind of like a, not poor, but lower economic status compared to what other people had. So at the time, people were like, you go to the thrift store, that's disgusting. You know, like you're going to get lice going mm -hmm. to the thrift store. You're going to get bed bugs. You're going to get fleas, stuff like that. That's just, that was the common um, rhetoric at the time. Right. And for a very long time, I would say until about 2015, 16, that was really the way it was. You, no one thought of that. Even if you told someone that was like 30, 40 at the time that, you know, hey, I'm going to go. Oh, that's disgusting. I, yeah. I don't even want to go in there. Yeah. I'll just yeah. buy it off eBay. And I'm like, well, you know, the people on eBay are just getting just it from that location. Thing. You know, yeah. And th that that didn't connect. So I was doing the video games and then Facebook marketplace happened and destroyed everything <laughs> because 
now people were putting out posts saying, hey, if you have this, I will buy it, you know? And in a sense, you're educating people. That's that, what is in demand. And yeah, stuff. what's in demand. I mean, yeah. and that's the ultra competitiveness that um, I've seen over my, I've been doing this for about 13 years. So I've seen and I've been able wow. to, to understand how that works and then to not be that guy whenever it's uh, contemporary like right now. So I'm in the thrift stores, I'm looking around, and then I'm like, well, hey, I'm going to go and I need a new shirt or something. And I really wasn't wearing like what you, I just like a polo shirt, like a button up or something like that, more of a preppy kind of style. Um, I had done, like I was, you like hardcore scene. I was in the hardcore scene, like band tees and skinny jeans, high top Nike. So I'd always liked the, um, like the dunks or whatever. Like I just go to Urban Outfitters and get like a pair of high top Nikes or something or finish line, whatever it was. And uh, so I got into a Nike forum called like NikeTalk.com. And that really kind of transitioned me over into doing, at the time, really it was hats and shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, and I still collect hats a lot. Uh, that's one of the things I first started on. I'm not an aficionado. Uh, there are some people out there that, I mean, they can tell you, you know, like just like a car, you know, just hear a motor and you're like, oh, that's a 63 Chevelle or whatever. And you're like, yeah. how'd you know that? It's like, well, you, you can't hear it. So there's people like that with, well, this is a hat. This is what it is, whatever. Or shoes, man. Caps. The whole sneakerhead yeah. thing is like a whole, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's where I started. So I transitioned from video games. And when I got into what we would consider the, I guess, the modern vintage scene, it was starter jackets, um, Ralph Lauren, like uh, high-end Ralph Lauren stuff, um, and Jordans one through, uh, three through five. So the Jordan 1 model was never popular when I first got into it. They didn't get popular until say 2018 so i might be off my year there Mm. but if you had a pair of black cement threes or uh aqua eights which is a model i don't know what any of these yeah you were the you were the man you know so because those google aqua eight what's an aqua eight it's a it's a black silhouette with a uh, like a turquoise and a purple on it and uh it was just an off colorway so the nba at the time leading up 84 was the year that the jordan one came out you had to have a certain percentage of color in the shoe or otherwise you'd get banned. That's where we have the banned ones. And like Jordan used to have a commercial with X's on, like the shoes, like I can't wear these. What? Yeah, so now in the NBA, you can wear any shoe you want because it's a fan, like they're trying to promote to the fans. You know, we want you to see uh, you in a Lakers uniform wearing green shoes. That would have never been happening in, in the early yeah. 90s. So yeah, Dude, that's Those shoe. are awesome, man. Yeah, they have a I Chanel. First the picture. tongue is Chanel, and that's like a, just a cool feature. And uh, the the guy behind its name is Tinker Hatfield, and then and the um, – in the shoe community, he's one of the, the best known. He's like a like a Frank Lloyd Wright of shoes. Okay. Somebody that people are like, you actually designed these good. Mm-hmm. He did a lot. Of, most of your famous silhouettes from Nike come in Jordan. Eight hundred and nine dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's an inflated value. You got to remember. Okay, here's another thing with selling these. This company might be out of New York, and their clientele has a a better um, income or like a higher rate of living. Excuse right, me. Right. Right. The, the ratios might be the same as income, but those people are willing to spend a little bit more because they just have more money from living in California or Texas or uh, New York. So if you were to find these local, what would you expect those to go for? Used? Well, it depends on the size. So small sizes are for the Asian community. They're typically smaller people in stature, and they like certain models. So you have to know what models they would like. And then for the American population, you might be looking like a 10 and a half, 12. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to look at condition. You know, like they used to do this thing on as the star count was on the bottom of like dunks and uh, Jordan ones. There's these little stars on them, and 
however many stars were worn off was like how you could kind of help rate the shoes wear like wornness. Wow. And so you'd be like, oh, those are like eight out of ten. So maybe I'll get um, two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But how often are you coming across stuff like this sitting yeah. in like a? Yeah, you don't really. Like Most a flea market or something. Okay. Men, men's shoes are the hardest to find, you know. So if you actually find a pair in your size, I wear a thirteen. So the amount of thrifted shoes I have is like one pair because they're usually just blown out. Yeah. Yeah. So when you got into shoes, are you are you sticking to strictly like Goodwill? Or are you like making deals with like I see a deal here, I can buy it from this dude and flip it uh, yeah. over here? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna do that. Like um, I, I can get this pair of shoes from a guy for a hundred bucks. They're not my size, and I'll go online, and that's pretty much how I got started. But I did it with Plato's Closet. Okay. So dude, I would go Plato's at, Closet. I, they're like already expensive though, right? Yeah, but what I would do is I would buy button ups for okay. five dollars at the thrift store, and then sell them to them for ten. Uh-huh. And then buy, just kind of double up my money. And yeah, get, yeah. That's kind of how it started. And then I was like, screw Plato's closet because they're gonna pay. They're gonna pay me eight dollars for a three dollars shirt because thrift store prices weren't high then. Because thrift stores didn't see value in clothing or video games. It was all like jewelry and furniture, really. Mm-hmm. So, toys too, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. You could find like you know Power Rangers toys. You could- oh, dude, you, we were talking about Hunter earlier. He had a, uh, he had a uh, original. Uh, Power Rangers watch, a Green Ranger yeah. Power Ranger watch. And before I could even message him, he was like, it's gone. Don't worry. You know, don't even try, man. It's like the first thing gone. Yeah, so, so, yeah, man, just like vintage toys and stuff. Yeah, it was like a whole uh, nostalgia, really. So it was the things that I could not afford growing up. So I would go and, and I'd purchase them for $3, sell them to Plato's Closet for maybe like 8 to 10 bucks, and then I'd have store credit, and then maybe I'd buy myself a shirt, a jacket, and maybe a pair of shoes or something like that. And then I was like, screw them because they're going to put it on their floor for uh, 20 So I said, I'll just do it on my eBay. So I started my eBay. I was um, just graduated college. I was old enough to get a PayPal because that's all you had to have then was a PayPal. Yep. But verify your bank account. My mom always – I had a bank account from work. Um, my mom was really scared, like, you're going to lose your money because she doesn't understand the internet. Somebody's going to rip you off. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, she had me when she was 32, so she's like 60-something now. And, um, yeah, she, she was just like kind of an older mindset, you know, uh, which was actually good for me because I got to grow up in a kind of like this weird window of like my friends are doing this, but at home we don't even have like a remote for our TV, you know. <laughs> Dude, I know all about that, man. Yeah, like our microwave. <laughs> I remember getting a new microwave, and our old one I thought would like, you know, give you like, you could – Oh yeah, pecking like radio frequencies just by standing next to it. You know, Dude. so that's so funny. Anyways, she always we well, always watch Antiques Roadshow, and <laughs> okay. well, the one thing on Antiques Roadshow is she's like you know keep the box; it's worth more. And so all that kind of went over into what I would do, and nowadays like that. So I just go and flip this here, do that there, and then the next thing you know, it turns into hey, I got an eBay now. I I can sell this. I mean, you don't really get much money on like clothing per se. I mean, if you find it for five and sell it for 15 after fees and shipping, That's you, right. you get your initial $5 back, maybe an extra five, but that beats working at Jack's, you know, sure. and making $5 an hour, which when, I think when I first started, we were making like six twenty-five. So I remember like my raises were just minimum wage going up. They'd be like, Hey, we gave you your raise of 15 cents. 15 cents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. I remember oh, I got a quarter raise one like, time and I, I was like, six, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm making six thirty five now. That's great. And then like, Oh, but minimum wage went up. And so after we gave you your raise, now you're just getting minimum wage. And we're like, you're not going to tack that on top. No, why would we do that? You already gave you your raise. So that happened for like four years in a row while I was working at Jack's and in high school. And I was like, Hey, mad respect to Jack's though. I love Jack's. Oh yeah. Hey, I, well, it's crazy. I didn't go back to Jack's for years after that because I was just so pissed, <laughs> you know? Those uh, assholes. But, 
Anyways. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I can do this at Jack's, or I can just sell a couple things online and, and make a little bit of money. So it's kind of how it just transferred over. And start off slow, and then it just, you know, as everything, it snowballs, and, and the next thing you know, you kind of get in a, where you need to be as successful as you need to be. Yeah, well, you've got yeah. quite the following solid 10,000 followers on uh, yeah. social media and stuff. So. I, that's an inflated value because yeah. I've been on Instagram since 2012, and all the algorithms have changed now. So I've been like 10,000 follow. Was it 10.6? I've been that for probably two years. I don't get many followers anymore because yeah. they, uh, you know, they kind of suppress your post unless you pay to promote. That's which right. Which is what everything's done. Like yes. even even on eBay, you can pay to promote your listing. Do you mm -hmm. think they notice or they have something that can tell that you're? Because I mean, looking at your your post now, I mean, it's basically all merchandise that you're selling. Do they, you think they yeah. pick that out? Like, oh, this guy's obviously got a, a I don't know, shop man. he's running through. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just probably wondering. because his his, yeah. his page is labeled as product service. Like when you sign up for like a business business <laughs> professional page or something. Yeah, so. went down the wrong hole. Yeah, <coughs> can't breathe it. We have to cut that out. No, no, man, I'll stay in. Leave it in. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I I did that. I can't remember when I did that. The um the switch to products and services there at one point it was just whatever you would post, people would see it and yeah. you could just spam people all day. <laughs> just spam the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Like, well now it's like, you have to be, you have to, I don't have time to do it. I, yeah. I nowadays you have to pay somebody to manage your dang social media presence. I, yeah. You know, for most things, well, there's a hundred different forms of social media now. Yeah. Ways to connect with well, people. Well, now that it's the meta, it's going to change because you know, they're owned by Facebook and, so now there's going to be get your Oculus, man. You got to start selling in the oh, virtual space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I wonder how much those Aqua Eights would go for in the virtual world. Yeah, dude. Well, hey, going back to dude, that, dude. Yeah, Nike did the thing where they patented like uh, on online. I'm butchering this, but they patented some kind of thing where they can sell online like virtual merchandise. That's something. wild. Yeah. Well, they do it in 2K and like Fortnite, right? Yeah, yeah. Skin. So you do skins and you can do stuff in gaming. And so I don't know. I, don't, I guess they were the first ones to jump on like internet virtual gear it's wild that's basically nothing it's just a computer algorithm it's clout that, man yeah it's just did you see those new virtual shoes i got yeah dude look at my avatars so sick. yeah well um, that okay so going back to that uh this is taking a little backtrack but when those aqua eights were out and when i first started selling nike wasn't retroing them so that's a term that is new uh well newer so they might have only released that shoe one time and so if you had it it was worth more hmm. So yeah. you're saying that Nike goes back and re-releases? Mm -hmm. That's called a retro. Retro. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, a infamous shoe would be the Maroon 6s. There for a while was one of the most coveted pairs of shoes you could get because just low production numbers, not many people had them. And if you had a pair, then you were really like somebody. What cool. year was this? 91. 91, Maroon 6s. Yeah. Okay. So it was a white shoe with a maroon um hit on it and the only the last time i remember them coming out would be like 2015 2016. so for from 91 to 2016 it ranged that she had never been released so that colorway was very limited and it made it very desirable mm -hmm. so but nowadays they're throwing stuff out really quickly and you can kind of relatively get shoes again pretty good yeah what's she doing over here i don't know going nuts kicking her a little bit and she thinks when you're playing with oh okay uh, sorry our dog interrupts the podcast yeah so that's the nft right that's i've been looking into nfts dude i can't wrap my brain around it i've watched videos like explaining it and like what it is and 
I have a vague understanding. It's a digital asset, Alex. I know, Come but on. I just I can't. Well, I sell NFTs, I but can't. in a physical sense, so I can help bridge the gap for you. Okay. Well, for those like me who don't know or mm-hmm. don't fully understand what an NFT is, what is it, and so, well, how do a, you sell it? It's a non fungible token. Okay. And fungible means not replicable. So there's only one of whatever it is, but it can be well, anything, right? Yeah. So if I have a shirt that's, and this is where like Kanye really changed the vintage market. So before Kanye, no one wanted to wear faded shirts or shirts with holes in them. Then Kanye made it very popular, especially with like band tees and stuff. So that's an NFT because that shirt has only got that fade and that wear. So it becomes more valuable. And that's because there's only one that looks exactly like that. Yeah. You can replicate it up to like, you know, a certain percentage, but you can't mm-hmm. get it exactly. Okay. Yeah. And the fashion industry's always like put holes in jeans. Yeah. Like that idea of the like worn look or the the worked look is not anything new. But like this shirt right here you're wearing, you know, when you, if you wear that every day for a year, mm-hmm. it's gonna no one's gonna have that look and it's gonna stretch a certain way to fit your body, all these different things. It's gonna fade a certain way. And if you find a shirt like that, plus the subject matter is good then you're going to have a more desirable shirt in some people's eyes because not everybody likes that look. So it's all about what look you're trying to go for. All right, Alex, I got an idea. We need to start an NFT for used tires because there's only one, <laughs> there's only one, one wear on, one wear on, on tire. the tire. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, the McCown there's Brothers market Tire Emporium NFT specialties. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got the, ti- the used tire place right down next to uh, We need to go talk to Rodney's him. or whatever. Let's go yeah. talk I, to him. Somebody that really knows NFTs may be angry at me for my... That's how I think about well, it. Well, okay, I understand that in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Okay, but when you get into the digital world... Yeah, I have no clue. Like... It's a JPEG to me. Yes, yes, yeah. that's to me, man. I don't understand. And they say, well, it's not the same. It's just doing a screen grab. And I'm like, how is it not the same? Well, I think the idea is that I mean, it's it like becomes, Bitcoin. It like becomes some... currency. Okay. So we don't do barter system in America much. But when we trade, we do, right? So like, I'll have items that I trade with people, and that's currency. So I believe that NFTs, to people that buy them, see it as currency. I just don't see how the market doesn't. Like, okay, if... I created an NFT. Used tires. Mm-hmm. Used tires. I need you. tires. Whatever it is, a digital frog or something. Yes. And then the and I see the, a lot of the 8-bit. Yeah, like the monkey's that's the like big the thing. Um, 8-bit tires. How does the market not just get inflated? Why well, somebody just maybe not making the exact same thing, but making a, a zillion of them that are like just subtly different. All right, because it's how it's sold. I think because it's sold on the blockchain. Right. That makes it valuable. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm I'm researching it right now because it is the way of the future, and I'm trying to figure out like if Nike's going to invest that much money into a patent for something that may or may not happen, then I, I have an inclination that they know a little bit more than me about oh, something. Oh, sure. Oh, everyone knows more I mean, than me. So. People are buying real estate in the metaverse. Yes. Which is absurd to me. Yeah. Why don't you just go buy real real estate? Which means they're going to be buying cars soon. We need blockchain tires. Yes. <laughs> You're not letting that go. It's a good one. Do it. I'm telling okay. you. Yeah, the metaverse, uh, real estate in the metaverse. How does that work? You know what I mean? Like, who owns you the can planet in the metaverse? That's what I'm saying. It's like it's infinite, is it not? You remember those people that were selling the property on the moon and how it was just like bogus? You could mm-hmm. just, or you could buy stars. Yeah, because like, no one owns that stuff. So it's yeah. like, really, who owns the metaverse? Whoever owns the server? I thought. I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Minecraft, but just you can buying the stars. I almost did that for you. Uh, yeah. Aww, <laughs> I should have done it. But you're right. Like anybody can say, oh, "I'm gonna sell you that star. Here's a 
plaque with your name yeah, on it. Yeah, just give me a hundred bucks. It. Yeah, give me a hundred bucks. It's <laughs> the best scheme. <laughs> they're ever. selling nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. crazy. Intellectual property, right? So that's all they're doing. They're just selling you the idea that you own something. And uh, NFTs make no sense to me, but clothes do because sure. you can find. And what's the the idea of what I've learned is value is the biggest deal. So if you find, if I know you like something, mm-hmm. then I'm going to cater to that. And if I ever and like I have people, I write down their names. Like, hey, so and so likes this. So I got a Green Bay Packer guy, and um, I, mean, I don't upcharge him. But I always give them first look. And that relationship is really the most important thing to the business. So mm-hmm. letting them know, hey, I've held this back for you. Uh, you get the first look at it. If you want it, whatever. If you don't, then I'll sell it. So like knowing that and having a um, a client list, so to speak. That's cool. Yeah. It's not the best because a lot of my business is not through Instagram. I, really, I was about to ask. That was my next yeah. question. Where do you do the most of your selling? Just on the online platforms that you have like available. And now in today's... Like eBay. Yeah, in today's like market, there's... Or marketplace. There's a whole portfolio of websites that are geared towards certain things. So if you want to sell on eBay, yeah, anybody can do that. But if you wanted to sell like high-end uh, designer handbags, you might be on Real Real, which is like a woman's website. Or if you wanted to sell like boho chic tops from free people, you might be on Poshmark. And get a better, um, you just sell it better because that consumer is on that platform. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have to kind of just know the market. Where when I first started, it was just eBay only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how many platforms are you on? Um, like five or six. And I mean, it's just kind of diversifying your portfolio. Like I know this will be good here. I know that'll be good there. Maybe I'll put every, I maybe I put the same thing on five. It just, I don't know. And some people don't. Some people are just on one platform. Uh, I just do certain things on certain ones because I like to do that. Yeah, a lot of it's mental what we do. So, taking pictures, measuring, um, uploading—that's the really the bulk of the work. I was about to say it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like how you said, like the behind the scenes here. That's the bulk of the work. Actually, talking is the fun part. So, going out and finding the stuff's the fun part, and then actually getting it to the consumer is the next one. So, most of my clients aren't even people that I know they're I'd say like one percent are and that's why I like doing the pop-ups because I get to meet authentic I call them authentic followers like most those 10,000 followers most of them aren't authentic yeah because I've been I mean some of them probably dead accounts that just have been following me since 2012 Um, a lot of them are just resellers too so what's ironic is there are some people in the that are really good at like they'll have like a thousand followers but they're all like people that buy from them where I have 10,000 followers and most of them are just other resale pages and they tend to not buy from me unless it's a marquee item or let's say that they collect Cleveland Browns stuff and I got something that's like, hey, let me get that Cleveland Browns for my collection. Mm-hmm. And then the chances of them to see the post is, what, 33% yeah. of all the stuff that they're going to see that day. Mm. And so it's just really difficult unless you do the pay-to-promote thing. Yeah. Well, the pop-ups are cool. And um, that was uh, cool meeting you and... and- Lining up this whole podcast. Oh, yeah. Thing. I'm very, very grateful because, I mean, we we're just talking and you're like, hey, I got this podcast. I'd like to have you on. So, yeah, it'd be cool. Well, you were talking my ear off and I was like, man, this is pretty interesting. Like the whole underground world of, of vintage resellers and uh, shout out to the uh, Thrifted on Sixth Market that yeah. my brother started putting on. So, oh, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more of those. I don't know if y'all have any other ones lined up. Yeah, we got another currently. one in, in uh, March. Yeah, I'll in be March. There. In March. So yeah. that was cool. And while we were there, man, you had this awesome, awesome UAB shirt. Did you sell that? Is that no? Gone? I still have it. You still I've had have that it? shirt for about six years. It's such a small market that yeah. someone's gonna eventually buy it. 
but they don't want to pay me hundred dollars. Hundred bones, man, no. dude. But it's so rad. I don't know what year it is. It doesn't even look like something. It, it's probably like a ninety. It doesn't look like anything that UAB currently sells. Oh like no, their logos or anything. It's like an all over print. It's a large. It's got a football player, dude. It's so cool. So um, the black and white, and then it has the logo and, and like the actual screen color print, and the front and the back is the same screen. Yeah, it's really really rad. It's a men's XL, which is again nice, and it's not been shrunk. And Don't give out too many details. Hey, man, I'm still thinking about it. Okay. Uh, well, well uh, yeah, UAB yeah. is. I, I usually UAB is my alumni. So what I, I generally do I with UAB merch is I'll wait till I have about ten items and then bring them to the pop because that'll take me like a year, maybe two years to get that much. Yeah. Because I like to have like a little bit of a capsule kind of collection. That's a way that you can really um, push items. So like, there's some guys that will do like I'm going to do a movie tee capsule collection, and they'll have maybe their own websites on like a shot a Shopify or whatever. I don't do that because um, I just don't want. I, I get enough, cu- I get enough people coming to my page on platforms that are already established that I don't really want to venture out and do my own yet, because I'd have to then get those people to find me online mm-hmm. and then to come to my page and all that. So I just don't do that. But some people have a, a really good presence, and they'll be like, "Okay, we're going to drop on the the eighth of March or something like that. We're going to drop a uh, hundred movie tees that we've been compiling." And now they they're not thrifting that; they're buying them from people like me. And then just put them in their capsule collection for maybe like a ten, fifteen dollar markup, mm. maybe twenty. It depends on what it is. So, you know, I mean, some people get upset about that. Like, why are you going to buy something for me and then and hoard it? <laughs> yeah, and then and then uh, you're going to haggle with me and then resell it. But at the end of the day, it's like uh, you're going to give me sixty bucks. You're going to sell it for a hundred, and um, I'm making sixty dollars off a of five dollar tee. Like, am I going to be that upset about it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you come to that realization, things change a little bit. So it's really what you're comfortable with, because if you've already got fifty bucks into it, you're not gonna sell it for sixty, you know. But if you got it for five, and you, I mean, you can kind of haggle. It's just whatever you're comfortable with at the time, what your sales are for the day, the month, you know. Like I, I set little quotas for myself every month, like I want to make try to make this much or whatever, and then just do that. So, so where are you finding the stuff that you sell, and and what besides shoes? How do you know? I mean, obviously, you have an eye for this, doing it for 20 years or however long you've been doing no, it. Th- I'd say 13, 10 plus. 10 plus. 10 plus. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for? What seems to sell the best as far as clothing goes? And where are you finding this stuff? Well, what's odd about that is different people sell things better than others. And um, I, I mean, generally, I find it at yard sales or thrift stores. You know, that's kind of where anybody gets it. Or through uh, private connections. Like if people, like at the pop up, sometimes people might be like, hey, I have some stuff I'll sell you. Most time that stuff is hard to get to follow through because people have the like, oh, I have this stuff, I'll sell you. And then they just like, oh, I don't know, it's weird. Hmm. So sometimes you can get private sales and then, and those are great if they're you know actually good. Sometimes you go and it's just like American Eagle clothes and you're like, oh, I'm not going to buy anything. <laughs> this is awkward. But really just thrift stores and um, yard sales and stuff like that. So are you just always on the hunt? Do you ever turn off the engine? Yeah, you have to. The search engine? Yeah, so whenever I had... uh, whenever You're on the way to the grocery store. You're like, "Ah, let me just swing through. Let me see if they got anything new here. It (laughs) it depends on what's going on that day, how much time I have, and who's with me. So I have three kids. So um, the thing I was talking about earlier, like you have to figure out how successful you want to be. And you, like it's there has been months like I've gone to the thrift I like I'm gonna go thrift store every single day this month and you don't find anything and then you're like okay after the day 31 I'm just gonna take a mental break today I'm gonna stay home not do anything and then your friend posts like this amazing haul that they got at the thrift store so it's that all Power just, Ranger watch yeah. yeah it's just luck of the draw Damn it. you know at the end of the day so you don't know what you're gonna get you don't know if you're gonna get anything at all but I mean if I'm already out I'll stop usually because I'm already out like and then I can just so you have like your go-to spots I guess. Yeah, or like what's on my like you know if I'm just if I'm going to this store over here across town 
and maybe it's near like a Goodwill or something. And I'll just stop in both for a second, whatever, you know, maybe I'll find something, maybe I won't. Mm. Yeah. So with that being said, I do more, I do mainly sportswear items, but other people do what's called true vintage. Like that jacket you got from me, the mm-hmm. Goodwear jacket, it's more like true vintage, uh, workwear style, style stuff. Some people just do only women's clothes. So it's really whatever you prefer to sell. And that's the big thing. Once you realize like what your, your niche market is or niche, or whatever, um, then you just stay in your lane. Like you can make a lot of money selling a lot of different things online. Like you, you can sell freaking flatware and you could sell pots and pans and whatever you want to do. It's just, do you want to go home after you've bought that, that flatware and then take pictures of it and then store that in your house and look at it every day. <laughs> yeah. And in which case, usually it's no, unless the value is extremely high. Right. So I just stick to like on my page, like that Coca-Cola, um, crew neck. I just like that look. And I've, I've sold long enough to know I'll probably get 20 to 30 bucks for that online. Okay. You oh, know, easy. Yeah. And I'd pay $30 for that. Yeah, I like the retro. It's yeah. classic. You know, um, if you like streetwear, supreme kind of vibe just a branded logo branded logos are very hot people like that now so you have to follow in terms of like what do you know to buy you have to just follow the trend and know who's an influencer and what are they wearing so uh, butthole surfers shirts are always been rare but they were never as valuable as they are now until travis scott wore one in his video and then people who don't even care about vintage or the butthole surfers, even though any of their songs, they just like what Travis Scott's wearing. Yeah, yeah. That's so wild. Yeah, like uh, there's a famous picture of Kylie Jenner wearing a Metallica shirt, and then who's this lead singer from Metallica? He has a shirt that says like, or it might James be James Hetfield. It or... may be Slayer. I may be getting the bands confused, but either way, it was either Metallica or Slayer. And one of the guys is wearing a shirt that says "Kill the Kardashians," and it's just like a famous like little meme that people have made okay. where it's like she's wearing the shirt and he's wearing a shirt that says "Kill the Kardashians." And it's just like, she doesn't even know what she's wearing. She's just wearing the look, you know, because right. a lot of these people have stylists. So, like, you know, I've rarely sell to a celebrity. If anything, I'm going to sell to the celebrity stylist who's going to probably have a budget of like five grand and they're just going to buy a whole bunch of stuff up and then decide whether or not the person actually wants to even wear that item. Mm. But that, that's a whole new like, lifestyle of the rich and famous. man. Yeah. Brought to you by and then they'll have their stylist who actually. Wear well, it. you're kind of a stylist in a way because you're doing the hard work. You know, I'll get a wild hair. We'll go to the thrift store, you know, buying stuff for the set here. But after you peruse all the stuff, you're like, I'm just You find nothing. And I'm just like, so, like, this sucks. And then you go to, like, a pop-up that you have, and you've already done all the hard work, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, you have all the cool stuff, and now I just get to pick. I'm much more likely to buy something from one of your pop-ups or from your online store than me finding something that I would actually wear on my own at a thrift store, you know? Like well, I've just, I always strike out. It seems like in today's market, that's the way it is for me. A lot of times, it strike out. I mean, I can go to two thrift stores in one day and, and not find anything. Um, it's oversaturated, and the thrift stores are wise to it. I mean, they they selectively pull back things. Like a Patagonia jacket used to be three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Now you might get it for twenty five, or they might just put it on their online store. So are they hiring people that are like, hey, keep an eye out for what's, yeah. what the trends are? Yeah, they have lists, and they have like their own when department. When did that start? Is that, that's relatively new, right? Yeah, since I mean, COVID, really. Okay. Yeah. It like, makes sense. Of, yeah. And then also, too, COVID got a lot of uh, newbies, which I'm not a gatekeeper. I've been doing this for a while, and so I have a different outlook. Mm. And you, you are my friend if, I, if, I, you know, if we're friendly, but if we're out together, I mean, we're also competing. So there is a prey versus predator mentality in terms of like not their prey but like the item that we're trying to find is prey and we're the predators hunting for it 
And there's only so many people you can have in a population until the, the mm-hmm. population, the apex, All the, yeah, yeah, it just it falls down. So, so you see a lot of the same guys out and about, like on a Saturday. You're like, oh, yeah. hey, what's up, Joe? You know, yeah, yeah, you'll or see, whatever. Yeah, you'll see. Um, you know, you might cross paths. Sometimes you don't cross paths at all for weeks, and then like you'll have weeks that you do cross paths. It's just, it's just whatever happens, you know. So you really can't bank on that. And the thing that I've learned is you have to be very cordial with people when that happens. And that was tough for me because I was toxic. You're on my turf, man. No, really, I was. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I would be pissed off. I was toxic because I'm like, this is like, this is my my place. I've been here all the time. I've never seen you. Why are you in here? You know. And then you start to learn. Well, hey, they're just doing what you're doing. They're they're trying to provide for the family. So hey, uh, you know, you want to go over here and look? I'll see you on the other side and I'll talk to you while we look through the rack or whatever. And that's a lot better. So it's a gentleman's agreement well, when you're in the store. Well, you have to. And you have to establish yeah. that. Like I've just told people, like, hey, you know. We're going to try to be cordial about this. Uh, and because, you know, it's like a snake's not really wanting to attack you. It's just afraid of you. And then you're afraid of the snake. And it's like, who's going to do what first? So not say they're snakes or I'm a snake. It's just saying that how do you manage snakes. that interaction being positive? Otherwise, you're going to cultivate a community that's ultra competitive. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. And I've seen that before. And you just don't want that. You know, yeah. you don't want people pushing you out of the way or talking about you this way or that way. I and mean, then you see him at the next pop-up, and you're like, oh, i got to stand next to this dude for five hours and yeah. be nice. <laughs> I would say that the best thing to do in this business is to make friends from the business but not go into business with your friends, okay? Because if you're working out working your friend and y'all are on the same page or y'all are on like – you're going to be kind of like, hey, you need to pull your slack, dude. And then that's going to cause – a riff in the friendship and i've experienced that firsthand on the top yeah this sounds like it's yeah. come from a personal note <laughs> yeah no it really has and that uh that experience is optimized to a lot of stuff you know and i don't want it that way but that's just the way it was and the best thing to do is just remove yourself from the situation be aware of it and then moving forward like number one i'm not gonna act like i was holier than thou you know but you got to uh you got to acknowledge that with new people so like, uh, there's a lot of new accounts from COVID because people were just sitting at home and the only places that were open were really thrift stores. And they're like, hey, you I'm dig gonna... these beanie babies out of the attic and see if I yeah. can sell them <laughs> or whatever. Hey, some of those have value, but this it's crazy. You watched the documentary about the beanie baby? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's on. I started watching it on HBO. It's, it's Dude, pretty funny. You know what's funny is I was at my, uh, uh, speaking of COVID, one of my coworkers has been bringing her daughter because teacher got COVID and I had to cancel class for a couple of days. So her daughter's like six, you know, she's just hanging out at the office and she's got a binder and she's collecting Pokemon cards. Nice. And her mom was talking about, it's like, man, this Pokemon cards just never went out, you know, like they just stayed popular. And here, you know, here's a child who's, you know, 10 generations behind me, who's doing the same thing I was doing when I was like 10 years old. What a hard time to get into Pokemon cards right now. Oh, yeah. I guess it's come and gone in waves because I used to have a ton. I just gave them all away. Dude, COVID destroyed the trading card community. Like, people will wait at Walmart for their restock, you know, the limiting, like, how many boxes you can buy per customer. So they're going to bring, like, their grandmother, their aunt, their uncle, Mm -hmm. their nephew, their niece, and they're like, we're all buying a box. It's wild, dude. But, like, sports cards... And just everything, cards. it seems like, man. Like yeah. anything that's collectible is now popular again. Yeah, it's, and I think it was because people were sitting at home bored. So I had a really nice, um, like for me, it was like, hey, I'm still selling stuff during COVID, mm-hmm. you know. And then I do porch pickup, so the post office just comes to my porch and gets my mail for me. So I never had to leave the house. I could just, and going back to what you're saying, like I have like racks of cool clothes. I've been doing this for ten years. So I have a room in my house, like 
you know, about this. Spe- I was going to ask where you store all this stuff. Yeah, I have, like, I, have a, I have a room above my garage that's just for, it's like my office space because it was once in my garage. And then we, um, we purchased a new home. And one of the things when the new home was like, we need to have a, an office space because you don't want to make your workspace and your living space the same. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not good. For, my wife hates it. So, um, <laughs> so I have to, like, I will work downstairs, like maybe cleaning up some shoes or like maybe taking some pictures because the lighting's better downstairs. But then I take that upstairs at the end of the day and then process it, organize it, whatever the case is. How much stuff do you think you have on hand? Right well, now. I have about a thousand active listings at a given time, and God, so how do you I, manage all that? It's crazy. Well, it's like it's a snowball. So, like when you when I come to the r- pop up, those racks are just years of me collecting things, and then you know, like I could sell some stuff pretty quick, or if I if I see the value is a hundred dollars on that UAB shirt, I'm just gonna wait for the right person to come along because it's not gonna harm me to wait on that one shirt, and that's to the give it. That's the ebb and flow. Like you got to figure out, like I was saying earlier, like if some guy contacts you and says, "I'll give you sixty for it." You got to think to yourself: Do I have an emotional attachment to it? Is it really something I think is going to be good? Because there's nothing that bites worse than like, um, like Disney stuff went really hot during COVID. Like some guy sold a shirt for six grand, and it was just like a it was a popularity contest really to me. That's the way I saw it. It was a rare shirt, and it was a it was what a was it? Genie. You could only get it uh, from Aladdin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just the cartoon shirt it had like stars all over it, um, like firework looking stars, you know. And you could only get it maybe like two or three locations um, at the time, you know. So it was just a very, it was a rare shirt. And no one had seen it in a long time. So that was the other thing too. Like no one knows what you have until you start to uncover it. So it was like no one, it was like boom, it hit on the scene. People were like, I want Disney stuff. So Disney stuff spiked. And then the um, Tower of Terror, you know, that like the around. Yeah, yeah. So this one Mickey Tower of Terror shirt was going for like 30 bucks. And then overnight it was going for about 80 so if you would have sold it, so that's the the main thing is relevance in my business. And it's crazy there, how there quick are, it changes. Yeah, know? and it, overnight too, and then it'll go the other way too. So one little thing, and suddenly it's like this is the got to have. You know, information moves at the speed of light now, and everybody's yep. connected to the grid, and it's just it's um, wild, man. You know, guests like guest jeans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they had guest striped shirts. Very famous shirt for the early '90s. Um, just could be different types of stripes, different colors not ever popular no one cared about them and then within a span of a week people were like i, I collect this one tag i need to, I, like i want this color i'm trying to get every color i want vertical stripes i want horizontal stripes i want micro striping like tricolor dual color and so shirts were not even on the market so one guy named sean weatherspoon who owns a very famous vintage store called round two it started in Richmond, Virginia. Now he has an L.A., New York, Miami. Round two. Okay. Yeah. And so when he – I say he did it because that's the way I see it. He made them famous again. And they're nice shirts. They're good quality. Um, people went bananas. And <laughs> then uh, everybody lost interest in it. And they went from being – like if you had a long sleeve one in the right color, you could probably get about 200 bucks. They went from being a $200 shirt to like a 40 to $60 shirt within – couple months hmm. so all these people and that's the danger of what we do everybody just jumps on the bandwagon yeah and then you lose money and so i don't ride trends i don't try to buy for the trends i just stay consistent with what i find because i think it's a blessing that i even find what i get like what i'm getting is and how am i a good steward of what i'm finding and how am i managing that the correct way so if you're always chasing clout then that we call those like people want grails so like the holy grail the one thing you have to live without 
um, like a, a shirt would be called a grail. Mm. Like this, this crew neck, I've had this for years. It just fits me good. Well, the same guy, Sean Weatherspoon, wore it and it went up in value because he's an influencer. But prior to that, no one even bought Adidas equipment. That's the brand, like the, the line this mm -hmm. is. No one cared about it. You know, not only select people did. So, I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the way the collar has like this little thing on it, and yeah. really it. But well, that's a cool sweater, man. I like it. Yeah, it, it, what it is is like I bought it and it fit me, and uh, that's a big thing with me. I have a huge arm span, you know. So for me to find a shirt that fits me well is d difficult. So I'm like a thirty-one twenty-four, like thirty-one long, twenty-four pit to pit. So uh, that's another thing in the vintage world. You you put measurements so people know because it says XL. But it fits. But like no, yeah, dude, uh, that's bitten me a couple times. Uh, yeah. Even going to some of these pop ups, you buy something I see large or XL, get it home, try it on, and it's like oh, fuck, I can't wear this. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I found this awesome vintage uh, tank top, and I showed Alex. And I'm like, yo, beach time. This is gonna be it. Did you put it on? Yeah. <laughs> real small real it was like above my belly button mm -hmm. i'm like this is an xl it's like ooh. it's like oh dude that's, that's awesome well that gets that into one. the fabric so like are you 100 percent cotton guy are you a 50 50 are you a tri-blend you know like that's the thing like when people get to collecting they'll be like i want this blowing my mind that's crazy well Too in detailed. terms like if you had a guns and roses shirt all right uh guns and roses didn't give a crap about what black shirt that was it was printed on they just wanted a a, a nice backstock, depending on the year and the band. Now, there were bands that went with like, um, oh crap, I forget the name now, I'll come back to it. But there were, like, if you were just like a 1990s, you might have a Hanes, you might have it on Fruit of the Loom, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, there are guys that like, I only want it on the Hanes tag or I only want it on the Fruit of the Loom tag because I know the fit, I know the quality of the material, and that can change the value slightly, like maybe 10 to 20 bucks. Sure. But, and it comes down to if I'm going to buy, like, uh, there's a brand called Giant, and Giant was licensed to Anvil. Uh, it's just a black and red tag. Like, a lot of your 90s band tees are on those. So I know the fit of a Giant XL, so I really can pull the trigger on that If you shirt. see somebody selling one, you're like, boom. Yeah, I know it's going to fit me. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much 90% positive it's going to fit me the way I want, unless <laughs> it's been just hella shrunk. I need to learn my tags then, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah. Just inexperience, I guess, going to buy vintage clothing. and You don't really – is that like faux pas to try stuff on? Or I guess guys don't let you do oh, it. Oh, no, I don't mind if you try stuff on. Oh, you're um, cool about it. Okay. Well, yeah, well, some people – like I've – I mean – Some things are easier, like a jacket. quicker to just throw on over your shirt versus yeah. like, let me try these shorts a on and go top. to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tank generally top. speaking, if you put a shirt on over a shirt and it still fits you pretty good, you know it's going to fit you okay. Yeah. But if you put it on and it's still tight, you're going to get a good – reference there because there's not much with it a shirt on over a shirt um it does affect it slightly but to me it's not that big of a deal i feel like i'm being so educated on clothing and stuff um what's the what's the coolest thing or most memorable memorable thing that you've ever found and sold oh man well i've sold a lot uh, I mean, see. if you had to narrow it down, like to if a you're saying like things. something that I've found that I was really excited about, or something that, or most valuable, most item. valuable, either one. Okay, my most valuable item was um, it was a it's a twofer, but I found them together, so I consider them like one sale. Um, I found a '93 Polo Climb shirt and button up, and they were n never been worn. And the polo community is berserk. I mean, so I, I think I got a thousand for both. What? Like five hundred each. Yeah. Yeah. 
Dang, and, and you I, probably spent like what ten bucks on them? <laughs> uh, I think I spent twenty. They had twenty because they were new at tags. The thrift had them for uh, ten dollars a piece. Okay, twenty Ooh. bucks, turn around, make a thousand. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, good. that was that's a big, pretty good profit margin. That would probably be my biggest sell. Uh, but one before that was like a five hundred dollar jacket that was also a Ralph Lauren, and that was like that was like six years between that span. Um, my favorite thing I ever found was just like this wrestling shirt from like a local wrestler called Action Mike Jackson. He's like an Alabama wrestler. Hmm. And the front of it says, uh, you got a hold on me. And he's doing like this um, move, like it's like a choke hold. Yeah. Okay. And then the back of it has him with like his old 90s get up on, like, you know, the... Did you sell that one or did you no, keep I it? No, I keep it. Oh, I okay. love it. And then the sleeve, it says 92 uh, national champions for Alabama. So it has like this weird stuff. What? But And it's a pink shirt. Like it was red, now it's faded pink. And... Like I'll, I'll, I'll show Dude, you. I know. I need to, I, the yeah. way you're describing the shirt, I need to yeah, see it. And I looked him up on Facebook, and he's still wrestling to the day. Like when I found it, and um, I just like that's one of my, my most favorite pieces I've ever got, and I've had it for a long time. Yeah. Most of this, oh, and I have a um, actually the day you met me, I was wearing a Bulls shirt with the two rings on it. Um, I've had that shirt for years, and it just fits me so good, and all of it. So. Most of my collection I don't even have online. Like everything on the, on my pages is for sale. Actually, yeah. if you scroll down, uh, there's a sweatshirt with a skeleton. Because I made a post about how I've been kind of jaded to this stuff lately. That one right there with the clouds. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, you're talking. Like, about I've seen. Like, I love this. Yeah, I've seen so much stuff. Like it's hard to get you know kind of excited. When I found that, I got really excited because the subject matter is really kooky. Is it? It's not really Halloween, but it is. It's '90s skateboard to me. Yeah. Um, he's wearing like I wear swim trunks and. Like Converse, you know, like kind of like that look. So I was really down with it, and then I put it on. It fit me. The silver part is actually like metallic silver screen print, and so that was something that really excited me. Now that's not a valuable item by the least. I mean, I would probably say if I was going to sell it, like forty to sixty dollars. Um, but you, it, can you skip through the photos, Katie? I think I just have one on it. Oh, yeah, because okay. just I, I might have put a. Yeah, oh, yeah, I have I have more. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, it's got a bat. It's got a spider. <laughs> it's got a black. Well, cat. it's just like the retro cartoony oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's standing on a grave. Yeah, for what reason? I have no clue. Yeah, I don't, that's cool. It's, I don't even it's know. It's like it's not even a. Uh, it's not even really marketing. Yeah, go, I'll go thing. back one. I don't even know who this guy is. So like, I'd like to find out more about what Heartland Apparel Inc. was. You know, like what I don't know what MCMXCV is. I could look that year up yeah. and maybe get a, an idea. But like, somebody actually sat down, drew that picture, and got it screen printed. And you know, I'm the only one that I know has ever had. I've never seen another one. So that's your NFT right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And for the right people, I mean, I had a lot of people comment saying it was really cool, which was weird because most of the time when I post stuff, no one really even interacts, interacts with, it. with it. But it might have been the way I did the post because I was just saying like, you know, a lot of times I find stuff and I sell it and that's monotonous. And then occasionally there's something that comes through and you're like, that's going to go into my personal collection. So most of my personal collection I don't even put online. Uh, I keep that for like an intimate thing. Like if you're actually, if I invite you to my house, I trust you enough to come to my house, mm -hmm. then I'll. Uh, we're going to go look at some cool You'll stuff. open up the vault. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of times, too, like, like I had Star... Okay, there was there's a certain type of Star Wars shirt. It's a liquid blue. And I used to buy them all the time because I like Star Wars. Ma mainly uh, episode one. That's the first one I watched. My grandmother sent it to me on VHS. And you know, like, when you're a kid, you watch the same movies over and over. A million times. Yeah. So oh, I would yeah. watch, like, that and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Almost, like, every single day. Don't ask me. Oh <laughs> Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, and James and the Giant Peach. Hey, there's so, one. Yeah, we watched James and Giant Pinch a bunch. Yeah. So I'd watch those, and then um, I got online one day. I was looking, and um, there were these tie-dye shirts with, like, amazing scenes on them. You know, like the the 
um, what is it, Naboo, when they go through the center of the planet? Is that Naboo with uh, Jar Jar Binks and the big fish is going to eat them? It's like the scene is like there's always a bigger fish that's going to hit you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it's Naboo. When they're underwater. Yeah, like going to the center of the planet and then the fish is going to eat them, gets eaten by the bigger fish and then whatever. So like I had that on a shirt and then I have, um, I got like a Boba Fett one. It's like these huge, they're called mega prints. So that's not a mega print. A mega print. Mega print where it just takes up the whole. That's all over print. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the all over prints, the, the UAB. UAB. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, Mega prints, just like a bigger version, like a well, I might be getting a little bit wrong, but it's just a very big front of the shirt, but the back has nothing on it. Okay. Well, I was buying those for twenty to thirty dollars, brand new a tag, and then uh, Force Awaken came out. People started getting kind of hit more into it, and now those shirts are like two hundred dollars shirts. So two hundred. So what I'll do is I'm like, well, I got seven of these that I bought for like 150 bucks. So I'm going to go sell six of them, five of them and keep my favorite two. And that's kind of what I did with a lot of this stuff. So sometimes when I throw things up that are like marquee, I'm not finding those on a daily basis. We live in like one of the worst areas to find very good stuff. Like if you want to find a band team, you might get one or two a year and they're not going to be good. It's my country music, mm-hmm. you know? So NASCAR, when NASCAR was hot, like we were eating cake down here, you know, cause Talladega is right Dude. down the road. Uh, NASCAR is, you know, raise hell, praise Dell. Well, one know. of my favorite thrifted shirts, it's a Food World, like the Food World 500 or whatever. It says just Food World. And it's got the race tag on it. That sounds cool. That's my favorite shirt. Well, everybody that sells around here, everybody's got NASCAR in their collection. Like, yeah. I see that. You know, even the pop-ups and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like NASCAR, like crazy. The jackets, you mm-hmm. know, like the Marlboro jackets or Marlboro jackets. Yeah. The Winston 500, yeah. like Daytona 500, anything. So... Really up until like now, like the Nextel stuff's getting popular because that's early thousands, but mainly it wasn't. Um, so, I mean, I export all that. I rarely sell that in state. Most of that's going where NASCAR is hard to find, like the West Coast. They don't, sure. And they're just going for the look. I mean, like, no joke, there'll be 135-pound females that come in and buy like a 2XL NASCAR jacket and wear just it like- swallows them. Yeah, they wear it like Ariana Grande, it, yeah. you know, kind of over the shoulder, like still showing with like uh, some pumps and um, some like Adidas wind pants. Or, That's like, the look, man. That's yeah. That's the look. That's crazy. So that shirt, that really got me going. And um, so, yeah, like I, to find that here is very hard to do. Um, so that gets me going. Like basketball, you, to find a basketball jersey- so hard to do in awesome. Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not completely jaded on it yet. You still find stuff that inspires you. Yeah, but it's, it's, far, it's fewer and farther between now compared to what it was when I started. So that's one really awesome thing about doing the pop-ups because I firmly believe you have to have a mix of like old and new. So I get to see what new people are excited about. And, and yeah, it kind of keeps you sharp. Yeah, and remember, remember that time. And then they get to look at me and kind of see how I conduct business. So you can kind of, you know, you learn from each other. Mm. Um, there's one guy I met named Joe. His name, his account's uh, Juck Fo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really cool cat, and uh, I've really gotten a good relationship with him because we were just across from each other. A kid named Maurice or Maurice. Um, there's a couple other I might be forgetting. Brandon, he's like this six foot five basketball guy mm. that I've met at the pops. Um, How many pop ups a year do you do? Well, I try to do one a month, and Mom's really helps out with that. I try to get my own going, and those are diff- that's because people here don't understand it. So. Prior to Birmingham, I was going to Atlanta and doing pop-ups. They're a lot more popular. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, whole world, I guess. Yeah, it's it's way different here. Like, if you you were like, like, you're like, I don't know anything about this. If you lived in Atlanta five years ago, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about because it's just a bigger deal. Um, But, I mean, Atlanta's also a a hip-hop mecca, you know, uh, international airport. They have a huge presence of just different cultures. So, 
vintage was something that people were willing to pay and there's more money and they're willing to pay pretty good money for it. So um, there's a lot more accounts out of the Atlanta area. I, I saw an ad recently and I don't know that the, the gist of the ad was uh, you had the, the actor and he's wearing all these like vintage style clothing and he's representing some major clothing brand and he's like, you know, younger generations are, you know, more worried about the planet and, you know, reusing is now like a hip term. Yeah. So do you see some of these major players in the clothing world? I'm, I'm sure they're not naive to this new wave of like, you know, people wanting to reuse and trying to cash in on this new wave of younger generations and vintage stuff. Have you seen anything like that with big companies trying to get in on the game somehow? Yeah. So, well, Patagonia does this thing called Warnware. Yeah, that's and, what sticks out to me. Yeah, and they've actually put out ads. I, I want to say it's during the Super Bowl that was like, do not buy our new product this season. Go buy our old product. Yeah. But what's interesting about Patagonia is like it wasn't really them trying to cash in on the nude culture. It was like in their DNA already. Like they were already doing that, and they've always had an environmental impact presence where like if you looked at North Face, North Face doesn't necessarily care. So like North Face cashes in on the high-end brand market like Gucci, and stuff like that, oh, but yeah. like a Gucci North Face jacket. Like it's called a Nupsy jacket, which is a style of jacket. It's like a big puffer, mm-hmm. and it's like usually like got a, the print. Yeah, like a seven hundred down. Like it's a down jacket, and they'll like have a Gucci print on it. Yeah. So well, Gucci's not looking at the environmental aspect necessarily. They're, well, they have a Thermo Ball line, which is like a recycled fiber or whatever. Nike tried it with their boxes, and their boxes were crap. They were just like cum- crumbling. So they tried other things. Nike came out with the Fly Knit, which was a recycled material. So like every time you cut leather for a shoe, you have extra leather. Mm-hmm. So Nike was like, hey, what if we can take and do um, like a sweater and, and have less environmental impact because of that? Or now they have like a recycled foam on the bottom of their shoe. So like companies are becoming more uh, environmentally conscious of their carbon footprint. But I can't think of one right now that just stands out as like, hey, I'm going to cash in on it. Yeah. Because that, I guess that'd be like, I mean, everybody's going to do like what you Everybody would see through that, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, like virtue signaling almost. But like what Patagonia does well with the worn wear is if you had a Patagonia jacket that you really loved, you could possibly get it sent back in and get it patched if there was a hole in it and they'll send it back to you. So you have like a jacket with like a black down jacket, like a, a puffer jacket, and then maybe it has like a red line on it from where they patched it or something like that. And then they also promote you buying their old stuff. So you can do that. You can send it in. Like uh, Madewell, I, we did a pop-up at Madewell on the summit. Uh, my friend Andrew did. And I just went to support him. Is that a store? Yeah. And What's you can actually take Madewell. old Madewell jeans back okay. to them for a store credit to purchase like a new pair. And then mm-hmm. they'll just take those. Uh, Lululemon will like repair stuff. Uh, certain brands like Osprey, which is a outdoor company for like backpacks and stuff. Like you can, they have like lifetime warranties, like Red Wing. Like there are certain brands that are already out there that right. were like, we stand behind our product. But Patagonia did it in a way it was like, we're going to buy yours and then just resell it. And then other companies followed that model. Yes. So Patagonia, I think, would have been like the, uh, the trendsetter in that area. Oh, that's yeah. cool. As soon as you asked that, yeah. Patagonia was yeah. like. The problem with Warnwear is it's almost virtually impossible to get something off there that you want in your size because it goes so quick. Really? Yeah. Like the Retro X jackets or Deep Pile, like Sherpa jackets. Um, you know, certain prints are very valuable because they only put a print out for each year. And um, let's say one popped up on worn wearing XL, it's probably going to be gone in minutes. And then a lot of times too now, people have bots that just will search that crap out. Yeah. So it's hard to really get things. That's cool. I have to check yeah. out Patagonia's worn wear. I like Patagonia. They promote it hardcore if you just go, it's on their homepage. It's like in the Yeah, top. that's the first thing you see. But they're yeah. getting their product from people. Like I have a Patagonia jacket. Uh, yeah, you send it I want to go buy something else. I just send it. My incentive to give it back to them is like a store credit. Yeah, I mean you're okay. not getting a lot for it, 
but per still, se. it's like twenty percent off your next purchase or yeah. Something. You're gonna get a little bit of something back for it to get then something you'd want to wear again. Okay. And that's one thing. And then another thing that people are being environmentally friendly about now is like uh, they'll buy vintage blanks for like screen printing mm -hmm. and print on those instead of buying a new shirt, or they'll rework stuff like take a take a a quilt and make it to a jacket. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which is super cool because being in screen printing, man. I was about to ask, do you T-shirts are not what they used to be. And you mentioned Anvil earlier, and they were acquired by Gildan. And I'm like, I wow. love, I loved Anvil, but now it's it's not the same. What's your take on comfort colors? And a lot of people go crazy for that. I love comfort colors. Yeah. Yeah. They're expensive, but I think it's worth it's worth what you get. Yeah. Because when I first got into screen printing, I was like, dude, these these blanks are so expensive. It's hard to start out printing on something so high. And then trying to make a profit on it without $45 t-shirts. But being in the industry a little bit long, I'm actually wearing a comfort color under this shirt now. Oh, wow. So I dig them. I think it's great. Yeah. You um, you know the guy named Charlie does Alabama Vintage? Uh, I don't. He's at a store in Tuscaloosa, and he's been doing like a lot of rework stuff on his page. He's a pretty cool dude. He's got a good vision. Like He started up in Huntsville, Huntsville Vintage, and then he wanted to do his Alabama Vintage. Mm. And... Um, so uh, he's been doing like these. Uh, now I don't like me. Like I'm not saying I don't like what he does. I just don't. I would never like. That's not my style, you know. But he has put out some really cool like reworks of like a Kuji sweater and an Alabama sweater, like stuff he's doing himself. Uh, or he just has stuff he's finding. Some, no, he's getting. He's got a seamstress or whoever. Like whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he's got somebody that's in house or a friend or whatever that's making those things for him to sell. But that, he's reworking. So he's refurbishing. Uh, unused product that maybe no one would have wanted into something new that's a one of a kind item, and that yeah. I'm behind that. 100%. Oh, that's awesome! And yeah, sometimes man. they come out, and you're like, I don't know, and then sometimes you're like, Oh, that's cool, but that's the whole point, right? Because the art is the beauty now the beholder. So, whatever you think is cool, right? So, like, if I don't like it, whatever, but Joe over here might like it, and and he'll he'll purchase it for whatever the price is. So, a lot of people do that, and that's a good thing too for environmental impact. I don't sell clothes for environmental impact. That's just a um, what do they call that? Like a residual effect or like a, what, yeah, a fringe yeah, benefit. Yeah. Like I am saving the environment because most of the time when you buy an older item, it's better quality made. And that's one of the reasons, like if you're looking at a shirt from 1991, like say that, that's probably from like 91, you're looking at a shirt that's, or a sweatshirt that's survived time and held up. Where if you go buy something from Old Navy. Oh dude, yeah, you're lucky to get a summer out of it. Yeah, that's called fast fashion. So that's trendy, low quality items that are just good for a season or two. And then you're going to flip that over to the new trend. Vintage isn't about trendiness in all aspects. There are people that we call hype beast um, that only want, as to, uh, what was his name? Trinidad James, only buy because it it's popular, you know, like we know about you. Mm -hmm. um, so those people exist. And those people usually fizzle out because once the trend's gone, then they don't know what, maybe they don't know what the next trend is or whatever. It just that's a political thing. And I don't really get too hot up in it. That's why my page is just the, the, part, the product I'm selling. Because if I get on there and start talking stuff, like this is good to do. This is me hanging out with my friends. But if I'm always online talking about, hey, this, that, and the other, I just it's not me. So yeah. I don't do it. But some people do. And they have like accounts where they're always telling everything and talking about what's going on. And I just view it and then bring the product to the people that want it. Like that Superman shirt, that's a cool shirt. It's on a graffiti tag, a changes tag, excuse me. Whoever sees an orange one. The problem is no one cares about Superman right now because Marvel's hot. Mm -hmm. So that shirt's like maybe $20 shirt. Even though <laughs> no even, ways. Yeah. yeah, even though the tag that it's on, which is a changes tag, 
Um, a changes tag. What? What is that? It's is that a, like a. It's a that's brand. The brand of clothing yeah. that is printed on. Uh, no, just the brand of the shirt. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So okay. shirt manufacturer. I don't. I should have one. There it is. Changes. Yeah, you'll see okay. like uh, Sesame Street on those. Like the Sesame Street ones on that tag are very hot. Like very, very good price. Actually, um, Retro Man, who's a good friend of mine, he has a Beaker one on. That, I think on that tag. And that's like a very expensive. I would never even think to look at the tag. and That would mean nothing to me other than the size and the information that it tells you. <laughs> yeah, well, for a lot of people, it's just uh, the time it was made. You know? Okay. Yeah, like you can know that's like 95 to like 2000 range. That's what, that's what I would say. And I'm not always the best. So like one thing is people think that since I've been doing it so long, I like know everything. And like, you I, know a lot, man. Well, I make a lot of <laughs> mistakes. Lot more than I, do. I make a lot of mistakes. So like I might get my date range off on that. But the problem is I don't find many of those shirts, you know, because pop culture stuff's hard to get in Alabama. So to actually find like a really cool, like if, you found a, if I found a Pulp Fiction shirt, like that would really get me excited. Yeah. Like if I found like a legit one with like, uh, what was her name? Um, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman on the yeah. bed. Yeah. And we got it on VHS. Yeah, or if right I there. found like a Santa Cruz uh, Slugs shirt, like yeah. just the reference, like, but you're not going to find that here. So it's, and if you did, that would be like, that's what would get me more excited than, uh, say, a NASCAR shirt I, I see every day. Right. Yeah. So that's what I was getting at when I'm jaded. But like that shirt right there is like maybe 20 bucks. But if the new Superman movie comes out and everybody falls in love with it, then that's going to go up in value. Like to Spider Man, um, I have a white Spider Man shirt. I've had it for years just because my son likes Spider Man. And then with this new No Way Home, Jokers were getting like hundred up to hundred bucks for like these Y two K Spider Man shirts. Really? Yeah. So Y two K would be you know year two thousand. Mm -hmm. So vintage is twenty years. So technically like two thousand. Well, twenty to twenty five, depending on who you talk to. Um, so we're the YouTube and like the new generation has really like muddled that, in my opinion. Because, like what actually qualifies? Yeah, because you could like people with like 2009, like the Heath Ledger stuff. They're like vintage accounts were posting that, and I'm thinking that's not vintage. That's contemporary. That's more of a modern thing to me. But again, it was because Heath Ledger passed away, so it was relevant. Those shirts were taken out of production. Like I had a um, one time, I had a, a Four Horsemen shirt, which is a wrestling group, and one of the guys. There's a documentary. Like he killed his family and. And like they uh, took him off the shirts, so like if you find that shirt with him on it, it's a very low production rate. Really? Yeah, because he was a key. Who was what the was, wrestler? What was his name? I can't remember. There's a documentary on it. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't a big wrestling kid when it, I just did like the Stone Cold, like the Rock stuff. But there's some people out there that they are hardcore. Benoit. Wrestling. Benoit. Was, uh, maybe I think he had a bald head. Something. But yeah, he went. And, uh, he went and did some crazy stuff. And they were saying it was because of the um, like concussions and concussions. All, yeah, and a lot of that, that stuff. Like his mental was his men, uh, mental capacity, whatever, was like altered because of wrestling and just the the stunts that he would do. But him on that shirt is more valuable. But a lot like to the average consumer, like there's like oh, I got a four horseman shirt. So like sometimes I'll be online and I'll see it and I'll pay the person the price they want and then just upcharge it. I mean, that I leads to my next question: Have you ever sold anything that later you were like? Damn it. Like, why did I sell it at the price yeah. I sold it at? Yeah, a lot of times. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the time. I'm yeah, constantly there's, disappointed. There's a meme right now, and it's like uh, Biden and Trump are like talking to each other. And like, um, which I don't care what like political views, but like Trump is talking about like, I was back in my day, we would never, like, I would have sold that shirt for 30 bucks. And I used to throw dunks back at the bins. And then you got this other guy, and he's like, okay, we get it. Shut up. And <laughs> so I always try not to do that too much because I had a Pink Floyd all over print the wall shirt. And uh, it fit me pretty good. It was like a – so boxy is a term for like when the shirt shrinks up and out. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's just hard to fix. So you can try to stretch the shirt, but it usually doesn't work for me. I've never been able to keep a shirt stretched out. 
uh, maybe for like a couple of wears and you got to keep doing it. Well, then that like compromises the, you know, it's a tension strength thing. So the more you stretch it, you could eventually rip holes in like the armpit or tear the fabric because you're putting a lot of stress under it. So I usually don't try to stretch much, but it was, uh, it's a very rare shirt and I sold it for probably like 50 bucks. And then a few years later, it's going for a lot more money, maybe up to the $300 range. Dang. Oh, yeah. But nothing like, dang, I could have got a thousand bucks or something. Like no, I've crazy. Had, I don't think I have anything like that. But the problem was, is see, at the time, my logic was I'll just buy it back for 40 bucks when I, when I get money. And then now you can't do that anymore. So it's like some things I just hold on to because I'm thinking, oh, great, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to get it again. And that's the, the, the worst thing about the market right now. So many people want stuff. It's, the demand is really high. And unless you're out finding it, you're... You're not going to. It's uh, tough, man. Yeah. Like Led Zeppelin shirts like uh, or Fleetwood Mac shirts. Like I always wanted a Fleetwood Mac rumor shirt, you know. And they did like a reunion tour in like the 90s. And, um, you know, they'll get those shirts are hard. Like a Tom Petty shirt. Like bands I actually like to listen to. And that goes back to the YouTube thing. So like cats are now are, are able to listen to any genre of music at any time of the day whenever they want. You know, so like when I was growing up, you had a cassette tape, right? And then that turned into a CD player. People didn't stream really. So like when I was really cutting my teeth, I mean, MySpace, music pages, finding the band, your friend actually had to tell you, hey, check, check out it this, this out, yeah. you're going to like this band. Or you would like open up the, the album cover and like read the bands they said thanks to and then try to figure out who they were. Maybe there was like a, you know, that's what I would do to find new bands. So nowadays you can just be told, hey, your listeners like this. And so younger people are just able to blend in mm -hmm. like th we think this is like because, you know, when you're 15, you think 30s old, you know, and, oh, then they're old. They're like 35. Oh, and dude, then when you're oh actually, my God, they're yeah, ancient. And you meet someone 35, like I'm not old, 55's old, you know. So <laughs> you have a 15 year old person who has a very skewed look on what old is. Yeah. They'll be listening to Nirvana and then go and listen to Led Zeppelin, maybe. And they want both of those shirts. And then they're listening to some K-pop band, the next one. So they want all three of these genres from all these different time periods. So demand is very high because you can be accessible to all those things mm. better because of the internet. The internet. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's good. That's good. View. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes it hard to buy stuff you want because, and then if you're always trying to figure out what's the next thing, yeah, you're just gonna. You're just gonna oh yeah, time. especially if you're trying to be competitive and and sell, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Um, mm -hmm. Well, dude, I feel like I learned a lot. It's cool. Well, how's business going? How was Christmas for you? And, and oh, it was great. How long are you going to keep doing this? Um, well, i probably do it for the rest of my life, but will it always be closed? I don't know. You, you, like I said, you can sell anything, so it may change over the course of the years, but I have good knowledge in like, how to do the online stuff. So mostly clothes, though? You said you do sell clothes, other things. video games, here, toys. Yeah. That's what I like. Pop culture stuff. I mean, I don't do big items like um, like I call these objects. Like I don't do these bigger objects because of storage, shipping, and I mean, like uh, I'll do we have anything on our wall that that jumps out at you? Like, damn, that's awesome. Um, Being yeah, the, you have a lot the of cool vintage collector that you are. Yeah, I mean, I like your cameras. So some of those handy cams can go pretty good. Like the oh, I just added that one. Yeah, we dug that out yeah. the other day. That was my first camera. Yeah, people actually. like those um, if they're working. Like it the, works. Yeah. The jack butt work. Uh, jack button so. works. The battery works. Like you, you can probably get a couple. I mean, it depends on what you're paying for it. But if you oh, pay twenty, you might get it. like eighty to. And some of them go up higher than that, depending on if they're like lo-fi or whatever. So again, that's just stuff you have to be interested in to like research. So I like electronics. So sometimes I'll just go and research like a Canon, you know. That's so camera. crazy. Yes, because I used to have, I still have a Sony Handycam. I bought it at Walmart. It couldn't have been $120. But the, um, one of the buttons broke on it. 
And I was like, I like the look of this. I, I let me get another one. They're going for six hundred bucks on eBay. Yes, six hundred dollars, dude. You want to talk about crazy? This little TV I've got back here. Mm-hmm. I wanted a little vintage TV to put down here in the set and play Nintendo on and stuff. I had to scour the earth to find this TV, and I guess the guy didn't realize what he had because he sold it to me for like, I want to say like forty dollars. Mm-hmm. 40 or 50 bucks. Had the remote with it. Even better. It was like worth brand 40 bucks. Dude, this thing, these TVs go for like hundreds online. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. Especially only, if you've got the wood paneling. You can stuff. only use the zapper on that TV, you know? Yes, dude. So, it works. I mean, we got the we tried it. Yeah. We yeah. tried it, yeah. Duck hunt. Yeah, a lot of people want that. It's just like records. You know, you want a record system from the time period that's good. You know, maybe you want like a Sansui or something like that or a Technics that plays a good high quality. So like that TV... Has a certain nostalgic look to it. it. Fits on that. It's you know. I just, I just put a bunch of stickers on it today. Yeah, it looks like know. a TV I had when I was a kid. Yeah. The so. skateboards over there look pretty good. Is that like what is that right there? The purple. That's uh, just a penny board. Hey, speaking of which, I did find a really good um, Peralta board one time from the '80s. Dude, that's oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, man. I put up on bid. I it was it was pretty gnarly, and I think I got like 200 bucks for it. Sweet. Well, but, if you ever come across any skateboards, man, shoot me a message. Oh, uh, I will. Yeah. We got a little bit of a collection going. Yeah, that was that was the best one. It had the dragon on, it, like the mechanical dragon. Um, I can't I remember the name Google of it. it. It was just like a silver-looking dragon, and okay. it looked like a robot. But um, someone had like changed out the sidebars on it, and the trucks were changed out. But so it wasn't all scratched up. No, it was. And that's oh, what they actually used it a lot. They used it so much they went got like a crappy board and put different stuff on it, mm. just so they could keep, I guess, riding keep it. Shredding. Yeah, yeah. And then they had put what the cool ones they had put stickers on it, and. Um, I just kind of like heated it up and was able to get the stickers off and it showed like the original. So underneath the stickers, it was still really nice. So mm-hmm. they actually kind of protected it by putting stickers on it because then I just got a, a blow dryer and was able to get them off. Yeah. Because the adhesive was so old by that point that, I mean, a lot of times, that's one thing with like shoes, like we were talking about earlier, like if you don't wear your shoes, they're going to crumble. What is up with that? I saw, because that, I I want to say maybe TikTok or YouTube and people are pulling their shoes out of boxes. Like yeah. If you don't wear your shoes, this is what happens. All right. What and happens like, to a car if you let it sit up too long? The hoses will do that same thing. They're mm-hmm. they're made to have the oil and the moisture the from heat. the environment. Yeah, and... they're made to be used. So shoes are the same reason, and that's that's my best way to explain it. So like if you're just putting them in a box and they're not being compressed and worn, mm-hmm. then they over just... time that foam is gonna yeah. deteriorate. And then also if they're stored in property, like in very hot, humid conditions, like in, in the south here especially, it's gonna be bad. But if you found them in the north, it's gonna be a little bit better because mm. uh, colder temperatures slow down reactions, you know, like that. So okay. do you ever do the thing I see on like? Uh, reality television where you go and bid for um storage spaces or anything like that you no, nothing too crazy i've no. entertained the idea but the problem is you'd have to then have your own like place to put that like a warehouse or a storage facility yourself and you have to yeah. worry about the cleanup so unless i had a bigger operation i'm not going to do that mm. um unless you ch- like you could do it in cherry pick and then just take everything to a donation center i guess but or the dump <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would just for me that would take the risk is not worth the reward to me on that, but some people do and they make pretty good money. So again, everybody has to find their market and just go with what they do. So for me, I figured out what I, what works best for my family early on. And I have like the set days I go and whatever it is and I do it then. And then when I'm not doing it, I'm with my family and that's ju- that works just perfect. It's a good balance. So that way I'm not taken away from one thing because a lot of times, like I was saying earlier, you go out for three, like 30 days in a row. I never done that. I'm saying like, a story if you did that you know yeah you go out for 30 days in a row and the next thing you know you don't find anything it's like you get humbled and you figure out hey that wasn't as important as you thought it was and if you'd have just maybe stopped in on the way to the grocery store you might have found something really cool because you were maybe doing it the right way and that happens all the time you'll just be out like i remember one time i was driving on the road no joke and i looked we were going to get pictures for christmas 
my family. There was like a Christmas tree farm that you could go and take pictures for free. You just had to bring your photographer. All right. We're driving on the road and I look over and there's a guy with a barn and the door is open and he had a clothing rack in there. And I stopped and said, hey, is this stuff for sale? And he said, yeah, you can buy whatever you want. I got a 94 Pink Floyd shirt out of there, like a Terminator shirt from the ride at Universal. A whole bunch of stuff, just Dang. random things, you know. So barn the, fun. Man. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really was a barn fun. Some, barn some fun. cool hats and stuff wow. like that. That's crazy. But, you know, I would have on a normal day. I don't know if I'd have ever found it because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been in that area at the right time. And so I, to me, that was like a realization of, hey, you know, you do, do your family is more important, but you can still be taken care of if you um, and not just go crazy and be like, I hate this, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, every trip to the thrift store, not fine either. Every seller has a death pile. And that's uh, that term means just a stack of things that you're you bought, you invested your money in with the intention of putting them out for sale. You just haven't got to it yet. So how big's your death pile? It's pretty. It's, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. Well, because you know, um, it depends on like right now it's jacket season, so jackets are thicker, sweaters are thicker. They take a bigger pile. And then like a lot of times you'll buy stuff and you're like, oh, this is so cool, I'm gonna sell it, and you just never get around to it because you just I don't know, you just don't. So my goal is to eventually have no death pile. So I just keep trying to work it down, and that takes long hours, you know, of work constantly just here and they're like you know my wife would be like you are on your phone too much and i'm thinking well, i'm not on my phone for recreation like, like working how about, how about you drive to your sister's house and i'll sit in the passenger seat and just like edit photos you know like figuring out ways to maximize your time that way is also something that i've had to do hmm. and that thing, way man. then i'm like oh i did work today so now i can take off and, and have a break over here well dude uh pretty impressive collection uh on all your various outlets or at least on instagram what i've seen where can people find you uh if anybody listening wants to oh check out your stuff uh find me at vintage shit zoo on instagram and that name is because for two reasons i have a shit zoo i had okay. two and also because when i was thinking of the name at the time everybody had vintage in their name mm -hmm. and then it was like thrift and now it's like funny names like um i can't even think of one chuck foe yeah Juck Juck Fo. Fo, yeah. <laughs> um and then it was like vintage shit so vintage shit zoo vintage shit zoo. yeah ah uh, funny Yep. Hilarious. That's well, good. dude, thanks for coming to talk. And, and I feel like I learned a lot more about the world of clothing resellers than I ever thought possible. So it's wild, man. It's like a science. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, but yeah, man, it's cool having you. Thanks for coming. Right. Hey. Definitely. No problem.